Hi, Church. Linda and I are on holiday after an amazing national conference, but I'm glad to join you in this way, both with our online campus and those who are gathering in Balconan uh, location and the city location to celebrate Anzac Day. And on Anzac Day, we do not celebrate victory or war. We celebrate the courage and sacrifice of the men and women who served to protect our freedoms. In every single town and city in Australia is an Anzac memorial. And it's a reminder to us of the extraordinary sacrifice that Australians across many wars have made in order to protect our freedom and to protect our nation. For that, we are so thankful. But of course, the greatest sacrifice of all is that of our Lord Jesus Christ. Sacrifice is used many times in the Bible, mainly in the Old Testament. And these passages speak of sacrificing animals and other things to point towards the ultimate sacrifice Jesus would make for us in his death and then later his resurrection on the cross. God, Paul says in Romans 5, 6 to 8, demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's an amazing thing that while we were still anti-God, rebelling against God, he loved us so much that Jesus sacrificed himself for us, died for us so that we could be reconciled to God. I love what the writer of Hebrews says when he says this of Jesus' sacrifice, and he's comparing it to the Old Testament priests who sacrificed again and again and again because their sacrifices could not remove sin It could only abate God's judgment. And he says this in Hebrews 10, 12 and following. When Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, declaring it's finished, it's over. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. I want you to notice the power of that statement. One sacrifice sat down, known sacrifice needed again, and it is able to deal with our sin, past, present, and future, and sanctifies for all time. But I want to talk a little bit today about sacrifices that we are called to make, sacrifices that please God. And it's actually one of the spiritual disciplines, sacrifice. And it's one of the more difficult disciplines because it strikes at the very heart of our struggle with sin and probably the bigger thing, our own selfishness and self-centeredness. Because sacrifice is something that we do, that we give God, that we offer sometimes God through helping people, and it's actually something we don't really want to do. That that left to our own devices, we'd go, nah, not interested in that. But sacrifice in the Christian context, in following Jesus, means giving to the Lord whatever he requires of us, whether it be our time, whether it be our earthly possessions, whether it be our energy, our zeal, in such a way that it 
honors him. It's an act of worship. And in the process often is an incredible blessing to others. And it's not as if God is wanting to strip us down until we have nothing, own nothing, and do nothing that blesses us. But Jesus said this in Matthew 6 and verse 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. It's not that God is against the things. It's just that Jesus wants the things that are in our lives, that make up our lives, to be things that honor him, that glorify him, and that advance the kingdom. And in that process, we find extraordinary blessing and purpose. Jesus often said some very, very challenging things. And he said this to his disciples about following him. And it's recorded in all the Gospels, but we're reading from Matthew 4 and verse 25 and following. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want you to notice a few things with that verse. This incredibly large embrace of whoever. It's an open invitation to all of us. But it becomes narrower as we follow Jesus. He said, whoever, open invitation. But you'll need, if you're going to follow me, to deny yourself, to say no to yourself, to be willing to sacrifice things for me in following me. And he says, but you need to understand, if you do that, you will gain life. And he's talking about the fullness of life that he came to bring us. But he says, if you try to hang on and never sacrifice and never deny yourself and never deal with selfishness, he says, you're going to lose it all. The Bible talks about four significant sacrifices that we can make in response to Jesus' sacrifice for us. And first and foremost is the sacrifice of our lives. The Apostle Paul says this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Uh, many of us are familiar with that, and it's well worth reading it in a few different texts or translations. But this whole thing of presenting yourself, I want you to notice it's not in fear of the judgment of God. It's not driven by guilt or by shame that we go, all right, Jesus, you can have me. He says, no, because of the extraordinary mercy. And Paul has spent 11 chapters outlining our need for God, our brokenness, and the extraordinary fullness of our salvation, the grace, the mercy that he pours out on us. And he said, let that be the motivation where you come to Jesus and you say, take all of me. In my experience, I've had to do that a number of times. I can remember thinking as a young Christian, Jesus, I've given you everything. And then as you keep following, you suddenly realize, well, no, there's a little bit of me here or a little more of me there that needs to surrender and to yield. And so this is an ongoing act of worship. 
But in presenting our bodies, our time, our ambition, our possessions, our mind and emotions, it's an act of worship because it's a response to the extraordinary love of God in our lives. So the sacrifice of our lives. Then there's the sacrifice of our lips that the writer of Hebrews speaks about. And it's an incredible thing that he talks about in Hebrews 13 and verse 15 to 16. Listen to these words and let them just sink into your heart. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually, continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly professes his name. And do not forget to do good and share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. With such sacrifices, God is pleased. The word sacrifice here literally comes from the Greek word. It's a verb. It's a doing thing. It's an action that means to kill or slaughter something with a purpose. And notice it's the sacrifice of our lips, of our mouths. And it's a call to praise and worship, to thanksgiving. And he says, this is a sacrifice you get to offer continually. I'm just reflecting on my own life and ask you to do the same. Just think of the words that you've spoken this week. How many of them were words of grumbling, complaining, negativity? Or how many were words of thanksgiving, of praise? And sometimes we've got to kill the negativity that would come out of our mouth and offer our praise, even in the difficult circumstance. That's a sacrifice of praise. Sometimes we have to kill our pride, our fear, or I catch myself with this sometimes, just being passive about worship, passive in about thanksgiving. Just go, oh, yeah, it's assumed. And no, no, I need to actively be thankful to God, as do you. Anything that threatens to diminish or minimize our worship of the Lord Jesus Christ is something that needs to be killed and it can be killed with our confession, our praise, our worship. It's cultivating hearts that actually stand in awe of God. I love what the scripture says in Exodus 15, and it's tied to the incredible deliverance of the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And there's this reflection of who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, and working wonders. That's the God we serve. And we need to pause and say, God, who is like you? Majestic, powerful, loving, kind, and doing wonders in my life and across the planet. Under the old covenant, a sacrifice was offered to obtain forgiveness. I want you to catch this. Under the old covenant, a sacrifice was offered to obtain forgiveness. But under the new covenant, sacrifice is in response to the mercy, the grace, the forgiveness extended us by the Lord Jesus Christ and through his work on the cross, through his sacrifice. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, to the praise of his glorious grace, which is freely given us in the one he loves 
referring to Jesus. In him, in Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. That is just incredible. Let's just pause on that for a moment. He says we need to give praise when we look at the cross, when we look at Christ's sacrifice, when we look at what flows from it, the forgiveness and the grace that is lavished on us. I want to speak to you for a moment just on that thought of grace lavished on you. You might have had a week where you feel guilty, shame, things tearing at your life, perhaps things from the past. No, you need to understand there's forgiveness, there's redemption, there's putting you right by the sacrifice of Jesus. And that ought to cause praise in our life and receive right now the grace that is lavished on us. So there's the sacrifice of our lives, the sacrifice of our lips. But God also calls us to the sacrifice of our things. Worship must not be an excuse to forget the good works and generosity to others. And we do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Uh, And that's what Paul continues to say in Hebrews 13, 16. You see, he's saying, don't use worship. Oh, I'm praising God, I'm praising God, and then dismiss people around you. He says part of the sacrifice, yeah, the fruit of your lips is to God, is to Jesus in thanksgiving for all he's done. But he said the other sacrifice that God is pleased with is when we deny something in ourselves to serve somebody, to help somebody, to bless somebody. As followers of Christ, we expected to offer continually the sacrifice of generous living, of generosity. To the churches in Macedonia, they were really struggling. Paul encourages them or he reports back to the Corinthians the praise, the amazement how the churches in Macedonia struggling had given generously to an offering towards the relief of crisis and famine that some believers were experiencing. And he says this in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. We are to share what we have. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's a really interesting thing that the decision that we are called to is not from our heads, but from our hearts. Now, please don't disengage your brain. That's not what Paul is saying. He's actually not talking about emotional giving. He's talking about giving that comes from your heart because God by his spirit has prompted you, has touched you to do something. And yeah, you need to use your brain and you need to plan. The scripture talks about planned, intentional giving. It actually rejects emotive giving. But the decision of our generosity shouldn't just come from our head. It should come from our heart. And he says, because God loves a cheerful giver not just a calculated giver that says, oh, I can work this out, one for me, one for Jesus kind of thing. No, it's a decision from the heart. And so the final sacrifice that we are called to is the sacrifice of our love. To follow God's example, therefore, as dearly beloved children and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice 
to God. That's what Paul calls us to in Ephesians 5, verse 1 and 2. Let me read that again. Follow God's example, not the example of others who may have been mean or small or petty. He says, no, 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 follow God's example. As dearly loved children, again, notice this motivation of God's love towards us, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself, sacrificed himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. When we walk in these sacrifices, whether there is the sacrifice of our lives, presenting our bodies, a living sacrifice, the sacrifice of our lips, bringing our praise and adoration to God, even when we don't feel like it, the sacrifice of serving others, the sacrifice of walking in love, denying ourselves in order to be a blessing to others. All of those are pleasing to God and are a sweet fragrance to him. You see, sacrifice attracts God's presence. I want to draw something out of the dedication of Solomon's temple and apply it as a principle. The nation had gathered in Jerusalem for the dedication of the temple, and it tells us an enormous number of sheep and cattle were sacrificed. In fact, it actually says there were so many they couldn't be numbered. And listen to what flows from that as we read down in 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1 and 2. When Solomon had finished praying, the sacrifices had all been made. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter, some translations say stand, to and could not enter the temple because of the glory of the Lord filled it, the presence of God. God was drawn to the sacrifice. God was drawn to this abundant, this generous moment where Solomon had sacrificed so much to invite the Lord's presence in the temple. And this is not about, oh, I sacrifice God, you owe me. Because remember, it's love. That motivates us. But fire fell on the sacrifice. And if we want the continual fire of God's presence in our lives, in our church, in our families, we need to be people who willingly, joyfully sacrifice. Not a grudging, not a guilt-driven thing, not even things that are demanded of us, but simply Jesus, I love you. And therefore, I want to be pleasing to you. You see, in Psalm 51, David says this, you do not delight in sacrifice. He's referring to animal sacrifices there. Or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. All those things were pointing to something spiritual, something more significant. He says, I know we've done that, and it's a, it's a demonstration of our love for you, but he says, God, I know that's not what you want. I don't want animals to be sacrificed in order to show that you are pleased with me. He says, my sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, and God, you will not despise that. 
I just want you to notice, just pause on that. It says, my sacrifice of God is a broken spirit. He's not talking about somebody who's shattered, but he's talking about somebody who walks with brokenness, with humility, a broken and a contrite heart, a tender heart. And God, when I bring that, and that's the motivation behind all my sacrifice, all my serving, all my worship, he says, you don't despise that. In fact, God, you delight in that kind of sacrifice. And so as we just draw this to a conclusion, that's the sacrifice that God is looking for us. And perhaps as a follower of Jesus today, you just need to be reminded of that. As we remember and acknowledge the incredible sacrifice that Jesus made for us on this Anzac celebration, remembering the sacrifice of those who've served and protected us and gone and laid down their lives in many instances. We acknowledge that. But the sacrifice that God is looking is humility, and that's the beginning point of salvation. It's not saying I think I can be good enough to earn my way into heaven. We never can be good enough. It's saying, God, I know I'm sinful. I know I'm broken, but I also know that, Jesus, you died for me. And so I want to encourage you, whether online, here in the auditorium, to just pray a really simple prayer. And I'm going to pray it out loud so you can pray along with it and just make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry that I excluded you from my life. I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins and rose from the dead. I will turn from my sins and invite you into my heart and life. Today, Jesus, I've decided to follow you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. I want to encourage you, if you are online, that you respond to the number on the screen and somebody will get back to you and help you take your next step. Or you can go to the Jesus tab on our website and, again, you'll find a bit more information and an opportunity to respond and say, yeah, I humbled myself, admitted who I was and came to Jesus to receive his cleansing and forgiveness. For those in the auditorium, I'm going to hand over so that somebody can speak to you about the decision you've just made. God bless you. We love you. See you soon.